Welcome to the Church of Mavis radio show. It's Friday night. It's 7.07 p.m. Central. We got Wham here representing Hudson Valley, representing <laughs> down here in Florida, originally from Georgia, and then got bamboozled into Florida. Florida's great. It's wonderful. It has its moments, and then sometimes it doesn't. Like right now, it's humid outside. I'll be glad when it gets cold again. Luckily, I'm up top, so sometimes it does get cold in the 20s or 30s, thank God. But uh, it's still been warm, like it's been the 80s. But uh, uh, Stephanie Quick is going to be with us tonight and filling in for uh, a guest that uh, uh, canceled as well. And then Stephanie canceled. So, wham, while I was, while I was sleeping, pulled the miracle of Barbara A. Fisher. So Barbara's here filling in. Thank you, Barbara. Great to have you here. Thank and, you. Uh, From the podcast, Six Degrees of John Keel. Yes. Yes. That's what I titled the show, Barbara A. Fisher, Six Degrees of John Keel. Had to do it fast on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to have you here. Uh, <clears throat> well, one thing I want to say is the reason why we're here is because we're S has happened to us and uh, mine just to give you the condensed version which I've told a million times so much I'm sick of even hearing me tell my own story is 17 testicular cancer uh, I woke up had to go through chemo lost one in the war at 17 and uh, basically during that time I'd have dreams of a medicine man visiting me and like spraying a liquid or something I didn't know what the heck it was, but I was in the comic books and stuff and Anne Rice and escaped and all that stuff while I was going through chemo. And one of my prayers was to be a superhero. I mean, I was croaking. It spread to my stomach and lungs as well. And I, you know, I could have croaked, but luckily I did not. But then anyway, after that, and I was healed and everything, my dad passed away a few years later. And I started to have mass weird events. And I have no interest in the subject really except through movies that I'd seen as a kid like E.T. or, you know, Poltergeist or something. And all this weird stuff started happening from seeing beings of light leave my house completely sober. And there were some times during that time I was experimenting with stuff and not sober and saw weird stuff. But every time the interesting aspect of that is there were witnesses who saw it with me. From my mother to friends to uh, I had a friend, Rich, that said, Jeffrey, you're attracting this here as we were staring at red and weird blue orbs flying in the heavens over the house. Uh, a lot of strange UFO stuff over the houses that everyone I, I moved to and some beings. But, you know, they're always like the Riddler from Batman. You see them really quick and then you're like, what the hell was that? Did you see that, too? It's not like they come and sit down and talk with you. It's always like some weird, you know, flash, a quick day. One of the biggest ones were two beings of light, and that happened in Florida. It was as if they had been in my house and flew through the roof into the heavens. And I saw that, and I'll never forget it. And every time I tell it, I get goosebumps. But it led to doing this show. That's my point. And Wham's had, you know, a catalog of all kinds of weird stuff as well. So weird. that's why we do it, you know, trying to figure it out. And, you know, we've, we've learned a lot. We've had nuclear physicists and Robert Salas, Air Force pilot, Greg Bishop, you know, you name it. We've had a lot of people on and we're just trying to understand it. 
I guess I want to know what the catalyst is for you that got you started on this path. Uh, well, I, I, it started in childhood with seeing little lights in my room and uh, kind of blobby, vaguely humanoid-shaped uh, beings of light seeping through the, the walls. And, and that sounds really scary, but honestly, they weren't very scary to me at that time because they basically just stood there and stared at me. Um, and when I say blobby, it means that, you know, they had a head, two arms, a trunk, and two legs, but they weren't defined nicely. Like, whoever drew them didn't draw real well, you know, so they, they were just kind of vaguely humanoid and, and kind of their proportions were weird. Um, and that's when it started, but it didn't really get truly, truly weird until I was in my twenties. And, and that, that's when, you know, I moved away from West Virginia to Ohio and then came into Athens, Ohio, which is apparently a very, very strange place. And I say this as a West Virginian, um, because everybody knows it's kind of kind of a little bit odd there. Um, and when I was here about 25 years ago, it was like, uh, and I wasn't even the first one to start seeing them, um, but a bunch of people started seeing colored lights in the woods. We were all students at Ohio University. We had one person who was a native here. He had heard that people saw lights in the woods, but he had never seen them himself. Well, it was at his house was where they first started seeing them, our little group of friends. And they called me and they were like, there's there's weird little lights over here. And I'm like, well, what did they do? And they're like, well, they look like Christmas lights, but they move. And I said, well, are they bugging you? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, then it's probably OK. Don't worry about it. Um, and then another friend of mine, another couple they saw it at their house in their woods, which was, you know, they weren't close together. So, I mean, Athens is a small place, so everything's close together. But it wasn't like they lived next door or any of that. And uh, they started seeing glowing uh, humanoids, only these were shaped better, you know. They didn't look like mine. And, and they said, you know, they're coming closer, close to our trailer and, and what should we do? And I was like, well, give them an offering, you know, not near your trailer, you know, go out, leave an offering and, and be respectful. And so he did. And I still haven't seen these things. I've had, you know, weird dreams of my own and seen some weird things in my neighborhood. It's a very haunted area that we lived in, but didn't see the lights until, um, one night we were playing a role-playing game at the first couple's house and somebody went to the kitchen to get a drink of water and out the kitchen window, you could see them. And so, you know, Dave was like, Hey, are these the lights you're talking about? And so, you know, we all uh, go running in and, you know, there they are. And they're like, it was really weird. I didn't expect that. They were little orbs of light. They appeared to be from ping pong ball size to like 
maybe a tennis ball or a smallish orange. And they were all different colors and they'd blink on and off. And I was, you know, everybody is like jostling and moving so we can see if like they change or we can see something attached to them or anything. And you can't. They were just like free floating balls. And they their light was strange. It was like, you know, this is the 1990s. So they looked, the closest thing I can say is those old-fashioned little tiny Christmas tree lights that came in colors. Except they looked like they were round, perfectly round, and their light didn't cast shadows or seem to touch anything else. Like, you know how light goes out in a beam until something stops it. It didn't do that. It was one of the first things that um, my friend Bob noticed because he was a science nerd and was had taken, you know, lots of physics and all this stuff. He was like, that's not like real light. That it, it should it should cast light on things. It should cast there should be shadows from the trees. And and that's when we all started to realize, oh yeah, that's weird. So that's that's kind of the been sort of my big crux of stuff that I've been concerned with, but there's always been weird things. Um, but the lights are the ones that fascinate me. So, yeah. It's interesting that the glowing beans keep coming up a lot. And I've, I've been, <clears throat> you know, seeing that. You never forget it. I, and I've seen those spears, too. I had a, a medicine man, Itzak Berry, from Inner Traditions, say the dead can travel in balls of light. But you have to wonder if these beings can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, there's some evidence of that as well. And uh, my thing with my experiences is there were strange things above every house that I would move to, some more than others. But I don't ever remember being taken or anything like that, abducted or whatever. If I do, if I did, I don't remember a damn thing. And they mind wipe me. But when you have that kind of stuff over your house that, almost seems like it's there for you so you wonder have i been but i really don't know i have no clue if so then i've been men in black mind white because i don't remember anything <laughs> well i've Smith seen the been your house <laughs> yeah yeah so i know i've seen the craft i know i've seen weird beans but i don't remember ever being you know laying on some table or anything nothing so I've always no, wondered if maybe yeah. they work with me on an astral realm instead or something, but who knows? Maybe I've been taken. I don't know, but that's the whole thing with this anyway. I don't know. <laughs> so that's what it all leads back to in a lot of ways. Yeah, but, that's that's the answer, I think, is no nobody knows. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, what can you tell us about Six Degrees of John Keel? Can you give us a little background on it for listeners and a link or something, that, you know, so people can look at look at look it up for sure? Okay, it's just six degrees of John Keel.com. Six as a number and then everything else spelled out. So it, it's real easy to find. Um, I, I named it after John Keel because, you know, okay, so I'm like you. I don't remember UFO creatures taking me. You know, I have seen UFOs. But I don't remember anything like abduction or anything like that. And I'm glad because 
that creeps me out. I don't like that. Even if it's just an astral thing, and I say just an astral thing, like having your astral body sucked out of your physical body is a small thing, which it's not. I'm just, I'm glad that I don't remember any of that. Um, And, but John Keel, anyway, um, I read his works from the library fairly early on. My dad was always bringing UFO books into the house. So I had read stuff from Donald Kehoe, the, um, oh, let's see. The Lorenzen's Coral and um, and her husband, uh, Heineck, uh, even Ami Michelle. I read one of those. We had one of those at the library. Um, a lot of the early stuff. Um, so, I you know, Dad found one of Keel's first books, like. Why, why UFOs? I think that was the one. And he brought it home. And uh, I read it. And he, he just spoke very differently about it. He didn't say immediately that it was from um, extraterrestrial sources. Everybody else seemed to really think it was a nuts and bolts living, you know, craft, like metal with you know, little, little alien dudes or Nordic dudes, you know, because I also read some of the contactee stuff. So it could be the Nordic people. It could be the little gray guys, but they weren't as common back then. And so just the way he wrote really caught me. And then Mothman prophecies came out. And of course my dad bought that and I read it and it was creepy as all get out. It was horrifying. Scared the crap out of me. Yes. Yes. Crap out of me. He he really he really did a good job on on that, you know, with the men in black and all of that stuff. And I was just like, oh, this is this is not cool. Uh, but it was cool. And it caught my imagination and I let my uh, my best friend borrow it because we were always reading stuff about parapsychology and psychic stuff. And I mean, anything weird we, we were into, she and I. And uh, she was like, man, how could you read that? That's so creepy. Oh, my God. You know, and so it, after that, as soon as I found his books, I've I've read all of them. And they're just it's just the way he he described everything sounded kind of like how I experienced stuff. Um, I didn't experience it as, as aliens, you know, those blobby guys that came through my walls, they could have been aliens. I don't know, but you know, I, I experienced more of an idea that they were, um, spirits of some sort that they were like fae and fairies because my grandmother and my aunt and um, various others of my relatives, some of my cousins told fairy stories. And there was, there was a tradition in my family that my grandmother had seen a fairy when she was a little girl and had helped her, helped her find a missing ring. Um, She had taken her mom's ring that was in a box and she wore it and then, you know, lost it. And that was a big, huge, deal 
um, because it was a gift from her, her um, dead father, the, my grandmother's father, not my great-grandmother's. It was her husband. Um, and so, you know, Graham was, said she was freaking out, and she just, you know, sat in the garden and said, I, help me. And she said she saw a flash of color and light over, you know, not too far away from where she was sitting, and there was the ring. And she said, I think it was a fairy. I mean, I, I saw something, but I only saw it for a second. And she said, so I like to think it was a fairy. Now, it could have been a dewdrop shining with the sunlight and flashing colors. Who knows? But that's what she said. So I kind of grew up with that was what, you know, those colors at, at night and those things coming through my walls were. And maybe that inoculated me against the aliens. I don't know. I like to think so. <laughs> you know, if we co-create, maybe maybe that's why. Well, yeah, my, my experiences were a little bit more tra traumatic, I think. And I think that's because of how I was raised. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in a, I was raised in a very conservative Christian, almost cultish uh, version of Lutheranism. Oh, and yeah. uh, um, and my father was obsessed with the devil and with spirits. And 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 I now know that he has he has had a lot of different experiences. He had a lot of experiences as a kid, ghost experiences, UFO experiences. Uh, he's he's even had missing time, significant missing time episodes that he does not correlate with ufos at all but but are kind of classic right missing missing time experiences but but when i would my my everything for me was initiated i mean there were other things in my life that were traumatic before this event occurred but everything in my life sort of changed when i had this very dramatic close experience or sighting um, of a UFO with it during the day uh, with a with a neighborhood friend of mine. Um, I was I was six and she was twelve, and I remember that that our ages really clearly. And I've talked about this experience before, but it was terrifying. It was yeah. a, it was a really um, terrifying experience because I it was something that was like out of my frame of reference. Um, and, and this was in the sixties and I was very young and I, so I did not know I had not yet been, ex my parents were very circumspect about what I could watch on television and what I, you know, what I could, you know, what I could be exposed to. And so I, I wasn't ex exposed to like UFO stuff or anything. Um, so I didn't know what I was seeing. I didn't have a frame of reference for it. And everything changed after that. I mean, I have I've had you know many experiences after that, but the one the one experience that I most remember um, after that were a series of nightmares that I had, um, where I was trapped in the in the nightmare. These are the first nightmares. These are first dreams that I remember. Um, I was trapped in the hall of where we lived, where we lived 
it was like a bungalow house. It was one of those classic houses where you have a hall sort of in the middle of the house and then you have like bathrooms and all the bedrooms coming off of it. Yes. But it, everything yeah. has a door. So if right. you close all the doors, there would be just like this hall there, right? And in the in the dream nightmare, I would be I would be trapped in the hall and all of these faces would be coming out of the walls at me. And and that had never happened before. And, you know, for years I didn't correlate the two, you know, that, that I had had that, those nightmares after I'd had this experience, this UFO experience. And it was very similar to, um, a couple of the experiences that women, um, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Tayunga Canyon exper- um, uh, encounters contacts that Ann Druffel investigated. I've been rereading that book, the, her book, uh, the original study of that. And there are a number of experiences that some of the, the women who were not the focus of, of, the contacts, but were sort of connected to the person who was the focus of those contacts, that they had dreams like that, you know, that mm. were very unnerving. But anyway, since then, I've had all kinds of experiences, you know, UFO experiences, ghost experiences. I had a ghost experience last weekend, which was incredibly annoying. It was an, anno- it was an annoying ghost experience. Um, and, and I, and you know, unfortunately, I did not live in a, a family situation where uh, I could talk about this or this could be open, yeah. you know, and, and of course, anything like that was interpreted a certain way. So my, my father would tell me that he knew that I consorted with the devil because he could see spirits coming in and out of my room. Mm. And I do think that he saw things coming in. And oh, out yeah. But that is not helpful. For no. a child, and no. it, and it doesn't give you a useful frame by which to understand, you know, how to deal with it. So, yeah. you know, by the time I got to John Keel, I was still a very curious person, you know. But by the time I got to John Keel, his book just scared the crap out of me. And and I think that I I think that I generated my own poltergeist experience as a result of that book. Um, oh, wow. Um, the, I, I was reading the book. I was home alone. I was reading the book. Um, my parents were still together. We were living in this house. I was alone in the house. I was, I was like at one part of the, of the living room and over there was one of those old stereos, you know, that with the spindle in the middle, Yeah, yeah. you could put up a stack of records and yep. turn one and it would drop the records one by one and play them. Well, my dad did this really dumb thing, which you were not supposed to do is that he would keep a stack of records up on the spindle. Oh yeah. Which yeah, is not good for the, no. it's not for good for anything, but he would do that. I don't know why, but anyway, the, the, it had not been played for several days. It had, it was off, it was turned off and it was sitting there and I was reading John Keel and I can't remember exactly what part in it I was reading, but I, I, this is what I remember. I remember being seized by this, this sense of, it was both 
fear on one side, but on another side, there was another part of me that was like, oh no, that can't be real. That just can't be real. You know, and it was like a really strong reaction to whatever I was reading. And all of a sudden, as I was sitting there, the, the stupid stereo turned itself on and started oh, playing. It oh, like, no. I'm serious. This really happened. No, and like, that's awful. And like, as soon as I thought that, it started, you know, and and I was out of the house. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I was like out of the house, out of the front window. And my 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 brother to this day, my mom has is developing dementia, so she doesn't remember this anymore. But but my my brother to this day remembers he and my mom had gone to the grocery store. And and they came home and I was on the front stoop gibbering madly about, oh, no. about something being in the house. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. That you know, sucks. So that so, sucks. You know, it took me a long time to learn how to um deal with this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. it, it took me it took me a long, long time. And I've had some scary experiences you know i've had that experience of feeling myself being pulled out of my body by something or something trying to pull me out yeah. of my body by something and fighting it you know i i don't i don't recall a, a kind of a classic abduction experience but i do recall one morning where i woke up and i had stuff on my body which was not supposed to be there. Mm. So I don't know what, but I don't have any memory of anything particular. Right. I mean, I have a memory of some odd, like an odd dream, but I don't remember anything other than that. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've had some odd experiences. I've had people tell me, oh, you have to have been abducted. It's like, I don't know what that means. By yeah. what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, but, and I, and I don't tend to think that it's extraterrestrial law. I mean, you know what I think it is. I think that it has something to do with, with intelligences that have been here with us for as long as, as we've been here yeah, at for, for longer, even. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of John Keel and Jacques Vallée and their approach, you know, yeah. but, but anyway, so, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I do not recommend being scared about this stuff. I've had to learn how not to be so scared. Well, if you were raised, uh, you know, with the fundamentalist type Lutheran, that that's not going to do you any good. It's, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's not going to help with the not being afraid. You know, the, the first solid UFO I saw was when I was, I'm pretty sure I was 12. And my mom and I were walking. Um, we took walks after dinner. And I had my camera with me because I, I wanted to take pictures of other people's pets out in their yards because I've been practicing taking pictures of pets to, to learn how to do composition and stuff. And, you know, make them look good, not just like, you know, a snapshot from up above with, you know, crappy camera angle and stuff. But I was tired of taking picture of our three cats and our dog. So I was like, you know, I'll take it with me. And I'll, if there's a dog in a yard or a cat on a porch, I'll take pictures of them. I didn't even think that it might be creepy if somebody looked out their window and I was taking pictures of their, their cat. But 
you know, it was Charleston. People probably would have understood if I explained it. Um, and, you know, we're walking and I had my camera around my neck like a good, good kid. And we're walking and my mom stops under this big tree and she looks up in it and she sees a bird. And she says, look at that bird. And I looked up because everybody in our family is a bunch of nerds about bird watching. So, you know, I was like, ooh, what kind of bird is it? And she's like, it's red. And but it's bigger than a cardinal. Now I looked up and I did not see anything red. And I was kind of like, where is it? And she points to this one branch, this big branch. And then she, you know, traces her finger along the branch. She says, it's right there, right there. And there is not a bird. But what I see past that branch is something silvery, kind of dull colored, wasn't shiny. Looked like an upside down cereal bowl, just sort of stair stepping down the, the sky. And I just, my brain stopped. Right. It, it was. I wasn't afraid at first, but I was, I was freaked out because I was like, what is that a, is that, is that a, is that, is that a, is that what, you know, and I couldn't even tell yeah. but So she's like, see the bird. It's right there. And I'm like, mm, I don't see a bird. That was the best I could say. I don't, I don't see a bird. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it flew down behind the, the houses you know, because we're right in the river valley. So, you know, the houses are our horizon. Um, and uh, it was gone. It was probably three or four seconds, something like that. Maybe, maybe five. It felt like 10 minutes because the whole time my brain is going in circles. Like, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's, it, it's not a blimp. It doesn't look like a blimp. It's a blimp. No, it's not. You know, I know. And, isn't, that, isn't that weird? It's like, it's like when even, even when I, after years of studying all this stuff, when I had the experience of the Bigfoot crossing the road in front of me. Yeah. Um, I, it just struck me dumb. I was yeah, just, it does. Like, it's like, uh, uh, really? Uh, are you serious? <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, it was like, you know, and I remember it was like pitch dark. And I just stopped the car in the middle of the road and just sat there. Just going. Well, you don't want to hit him. Oh, I mean, you, you did well, the right he thing. Did, he did cross. I wasn't going to hit him. Oh, you were just stopping to be like, oh. Yeah, it just freaked me out. It was just like, and yeah. you know, they started breathing hard, like hyperventilating. <laughs> it was just so weird. You get the fight or flight. Even if you're not scared, I swear our bodies give us a fight or flight I, yeah. even if your brain is like this is what i've wanted to see my whole life yeah and then the, your 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 body is like no girl no we're not having it <laughs> right well and and you know just I, I, and you know i i i have this gym i go to um where uh, it's haunted and things happen there like frequently and yeah. um um, the, you know, my trainer who owns the business there, um, he, he lately, he showed me some footage that he got like in broad daylight of a shadow being mm. coming in a, that had triggered the motion detector camera. And it was one of those things where he was, he was like at the bottom of the stairs and he could see up 
like this. He could see up and see the doorway where the shadow person was that had triggered the camera, but he couldn't see anything. But in his phone, right there, he could see it. See, it was, that, that and, is creepy. And when he showed it to me, he showed, he goes, oh, I got to show you this. I like ran out of the room. I was like, ah, <laughs> no, I just like ran out of the room. Oh, it's, man. It, it's no. like, you know, um, it's so weird because on one level, you want to see it. But on another oh, yeah. level, it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. And the, and the thing about the dumb bird and the and the UFO is, you know, I, I'm standing there and my mom is looking at me. She goes, did you not see the bird? And I said, well, where is it? After the UFO had gone and I could speak again, she was like, it was right there, but I guess it flew away. It's not there anymore. And then I start thinking, I'm like, oh, oh, no. What if we saw two different things? Well, which one's real? Oh. And, and she said, what were you looking at? You weren't even looking in the right place. I was like, I was looking where you pointed, but I was looking beyond it. I was looking in the sky. And she's like, well, what did you look at? And I was like, it, it looked like a UFO. It was, it, it, it was, and I told her it was silver and it went like this. And she was like, no. You did not. So she, you know, she instantly tries to gaslight me. And I'm like, no, really, I did. And I didn't see your bird. Do you even remember seeing it fly away? Well, no. Okay. Well, then something is weird here. And she was like, well, why didn't you take a picture of it? You have your camera right there. And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. All I could think about it was, what is that? Why is it here? And so we start walking towards home. She's like, well, we can't stand here in the middle of the sidewalk arguing about it. This is a nice neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> Only in tacky neighborhoods can you do that, I guess. <laughs> can't do it where the rich people live. You got to go to the working class. I don't know. So, you know, we're walking along and the whole time we're arguing about what we saw. And then we just got mad at each other and we stopped arguing. You know, and, and she just she just went silent. She's just, she was just mad. So she was stomping home. And we get to the house and we go in and my dad's reading the newspaper because that's what he does all the time. And he says, did you have a good walk? And I just walked up to him and I just looked down at him and he, you know, folded the paper down and went, what? I said, I saw a UFO, dad. And he said, oh, well, what did it look like? And I told him. And my mom came in. She did not see a UFO. That's not what she said. There was a bird. Wait. No, there wasn't. She, saw, she says she saw a UFO. But I didn't see anything. And I went, you saw a bird. And then she was like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, what? And she was like, I didn't see a bird. I'm like, you were going on about it. It was red and the size of a pigeon. That it wasn't a cardinal. And she was like, I did not. We argued about it half the way home. How bizarre. No, I didn't. How and bizarre. She, I didn't, you know, for a while I was like, is she, is she just messing with my head? Is she just arguing? Does she just want life to be normal? So she's just like, or did she really forget? And I basically just said, whatever. And, and, and she said, if she had seen a UFO, she would have taken a picture of it. And I was like, <laughs> And I, I was just like, 
I'm going upstairs. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then mom started in on him. She thinks she saw a UFO because of all those books she bring in the house. You should stop bringing, letting, stop letting her read those. He's like, she can read whatever she wants. Just leave her alone. She's reading. Just, just, and I just went upstairs and I sat there and I was thinking, if I saw it, did it see me? And then I didn't like that. And I didn't read any of dad's books for like, a week or so and mom let it drop which is weird i i still think something went hinky with her her memory but common she theme with my experiences with people i've seen it with some of them remember but a majority of them don't do remember not. a damn thing like my mom saw black pyramid crafts coming out of a hole in an orange orange greenish hole portal out of the sky my mom only drinks beer I don't know if she's on it then, but she saw these things coming out of a hole in the sky. Oh my God, Jeffrey, it about yanked my arm off and then asked oh her about it later. Well, I remember something and it doesn't remember the detail that I do. Another guy, uh, a friend who I don't talk to anymore. I asked him about an experience we had. He doesn't remember a damn thing. And That's, basically yeah. it was a silent helicopter with no propellers and a dude waving at us over the house and it shot into the heavens. I don't know if it was an alien or some government crap. I don't know. But he saw it. Doesn't remember it. Another one, Black Pyramids over uh, power lines, golden balls of light coming out towards me and a friend. I know we saw it. Doesn't remember it. See, that creeps me out. That, that bothers me. And I've had that happen. A lot of my friends from, you know, 25 years ago in Athens, when we started seeing the little balls of light doing their things, they remember it kind of, but they don't remember details. And then there was the, the graduation party night, which sounds like a big story somebody made up, but it is absolutely true. I like to say that the fairies crashed the party and stole the beer. Um, because we were doing great. We were drinking beer and having fun and dancing and, some of us were smoking weed, which I was not at that point. I probably should have been, but I wasn't. And ye, we're having a great time until one of my friends came in and said they're back. Because we hadn't seen them for about a year. And I was like, what's back? I didn't like that, you know, look on his face. I said, what's back? And he was like, the lights. And there's lots of them. And I'm like, where? He's like, in your woods. And I was like, oh, man. I shouldn't have even asked. I should have been like in the woods because that's where they always started out. And I sobered up so fast. And so did the other three people who had been drinking. We sobered up. All these weird shit things happen. Sorry, I'm probably not supposed to cut. Oh, shit, shit you can say. Shit I can say. Okay, good. Not the F word. Not the F word. Okay. All right. I got you. Um, I try so hard to be good. Anyway, so I was like, Oh no. And all this stuff happened. And it, after, you know, people saw the stuff and finally we all just went back in the house and huddled. It didn't matter how much we drank. We couldn't get drunk. I still to this day say they stole the alcohol out that beer. <laughs> we were just drinking flavored water at that point. <laughs> yeah. just Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of weird crap that that i don't know i remember there were, there were a couple of group situations 
that I experienced when I when I first when I was first starting my master's degree, my partner at the time and I moved to this place that was north of Lawrence, Kansas. It's called Buck Creek Canyon. I know that sounds really bizarre, but is it, that really it, what it's? It, it's, okay. it's not Canyon, Buck Creek Valley. That's what it's called. But Valley. Oh, there are so many. There's so many bad jokes that can be made about that. That are exactly just yes, yes. <laughs> but it is a real place. Buck okay. Creek is actually a real place that drains into the Kansas River. Uh, I mean, a real tributary. And actually, as a valley goes in Kansas, it's very picturesque. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was apparently at one point a gathering place for um, nomadic indigenous people that would stop there because the, the there's lots of water and it's kind of sheltered you know and things like yeah. that but it but there were a lot of things that happened there I, I mean i i experienced me and my partner experienced a lot of really weird crap that happened there but one thing that happened um and it was around a beltane oh we were, we were having a beltane celebration and um, we actually had had a maypole, the whole nine yards. Um, there were maybe about 15 of us there. Uh, we had a bonfire. We were not drinking or not very much. I mean, I wasn't drinking at all at the time. I was not, uh, uh, you know, inebriated in any fashion. I think there was a little bit of alcohol there, but a lot of people knew that I didn't drink, so they didn't bring a lot. So anyway, right. we were all sitting there, and it, it was... It, it, and, you know, it had become twilight and dusk. And then all of a sudden we were talking. And then all of a sudden the whole group of us, like all 15 of us, became aware of the sounds of talking that was not us. Oh, And yeah. it was happening. Mm. There was a, at the end of the property that we lived in, there was like kind of a small wetland wooded area just beyond us. And it seemed to be coming from there. And we thought, is this echoing from somewhere? So we all kind of spread out because we were trying to figure out, are people there and we just don't see them, you know? And so we started like testing it and we would like, you know, some of us would approach the area and the, and the voices would stop and then they would move. And, oh man! And and and, oh. and 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 at one point we got very quiet, like all together we got very quiet and listened, and the voices kind of got kind of loud, but they never got past the point where you could really hear exactly what was being said. Right. But but we could discern many voices. There were at least fifteen or twenty voices. There were children. There were male and female voices. Um, and, but if you, we try at one point, we tried to kind of surround it and it would just kind of shrink. It was bizarre. And this went on for like, I don't know, an hour or something, us trying to figure it out. So finally we just all did. And then at some point we all came back and we realized as we were doing this, that everything else was completely silent. I mean, this is. This so is, no birds, no crickets. Yeah, well, no. This, is, this is in Kansas. So in the sp late spring. So it's cacophony. Peepers. There's, yeah. There's peepers. There's crickets. There's toads. There's, there's, there's uh, nightingales. We had nightingales. There's all kinds of stuff. Nothing was set making any noise. 
So we just all kind of sat there and were like, wow, this is really, you know, we finally just got became really quiet, you know, came back together and just got very quiet. And then all of a sudden, I can't even remember exactly how this happened, but all of a sudden it was kind of like all of us came out of something. We all just kind of went like this and, and all of a sudden the cacophony just started up again, you know, like, like all the insects and everything just, it was like it had been turned off and it was turned on just like that. And then the voice, oh, man. and it was, and we experienced this as a group. It was very strange. And then we, you know, we didn't know exactly what to think about that. Were these ghosts? Were these fae? You know, what, what, what was this a memory of the indigenous people that used to have ceremonies here? You know, like what was this? And yeah. then, and then a later, later on in the evening, a few people had left and um, behind the house, we were, we were seated, seated t- facing the East behind us to the West was a fairly steep ridge um, as part of the valley. And it went up and, um, and it was maybe about, I don't know, maybe 800 yards due West of us. And it pretty much went straight up. And it was, you know, forested all the way up at the top. And at some point, a friend of mine poked me and said, what's that? And we looked, (laughs) I looked and she looked, and then we all looked and there were these lights in the trees and they were like going up and like this and bouncing. Or at first I thought it was like one and I thought it was like a flashlight, but then there was two and then there were three and then they were different colors, like you were saying. And they were just sort of, they were going above the trees and going into the trees. It was, and we just sat there and watched them. <laughs> of course. Okay. You know, if they start, she was like, if they start coming over here, I'm going to run away. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, where are you going to run to? You're going to run to that woodland area where you just heard the voices. That's where you're going to run. Going to run in the house? (laughs) But I had a whole bunch of other experiences there. But that was like this group experience. It was it was amazing. And yeah, that's one of the things that's that's I'm like with Jeffrey. A lot of my experiences, not the ones from early childhood, but you know, from like teenhood on up, there were other people with me. And that's always made me be like, well, that means probably I'm not crazy, right? Because other people saw it. Um, But it's weird, though. And it's weird when people forget. When you're like, how could you forget that? That That was a hole in the sky with weird colors that this big pyramid thing was coming out of you know and yeah, right, then you yeah. go did she see something different from me did what 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 does that mean you know sometimes i think some people's brains just if it's too odd they just kind of don't want to hold on to it yeah it's so, just it kind of it kind of it kind of slips away if it if yeah. you go to the frame of reference and see for me if if i see something like that it really scares me it's it, it it like imprints itself yes deeply on my brain there's only been a couple of times when i haven't remembered something specific that i saw and that's because it was tra- it was like violent like violently traumatic you know right. like you know like but 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 just scary like that 
it it just it prints itself on my brain. It's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's kind of how it does with me. Is I, I just I notice it and then I remember it. There are some things that you know I'll forget it for a short period of time, but then somebody will say something and it'll remind me, and I go, "Oh yeah, 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 that happened." Um, you know, I had somebody ask me to to write an article about you know experiences I've had, and I I started writing and I stopped at like sixty five pages because that's not an article. <laughs> that's like I know. a huge amount, and I'm like. How do you pick what to talk about? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I, I've tried to write my story several times. And once I get like way out there, you know, like to the se seventh chapter worth of stuff, I'm like, geez, you know, what's wrong with me that I have all this crap happening to me? I don't, I don't, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. By yeah. the way, by the way, uh, all you all you viewers out here, one of our listeners out here, one of the things that uh, Barbara does when you get on her, um, when 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 she invites you to be on her podcast, is she she always makes sure that your episode is graced with some kind of amazing photograph or painting that she's done, or something. Because Barbara is a, is an amazing artist, and um, I don't know, um, Jeffrey, is it possible to actually share stuff here? Uh, yes, I believe so. Let me see. Can I do this? <clears throat> at the uh, bottom, if you look at the little icons, it says "Present." Is that there for you? Yeah. Let's see if it does this. Hold on, just a second. And slides. Uh, yeah. Hold on, just a second. Share screen. Yeah, there. Okay, here you go. Except that it's, let's see, it should, there. Do a tab. Do a tab. There. Can you see anything? No. Okay, hold Not on. Oh, I, hold on just a second. Hold on. There. There. You see there it now? There it goes. Now I okay. add to stream. Okay. There we go. But I just wanted oh, to there do this. Yeah, is is this this is the website? This is uh, the episodes um, of uh, Six Degrees of John Keel, and you see some of these are beautiful paintings. Yes, they are. That uh, like this one here, owls and orbs, that uh, um, Barbara has done beautiful artwork, and I think that that's like one of the most amazing things that Barbara does. Is this great artwork? I mean, look at this; these great owls and stuff. Cool. And she and she's always sharing um, her latest paintings and stuff uh, with with those of us who are graced with her presence on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> and um, what Stephanie wanted me to ask you some questions okay. about, about your art, if that's okay. That is fine. Okay, um, she's like. Uh, I just have a few questions for Barbara since I had to bail in case you went to use any, though I'm sure you two can keep up a conversation. These are things she's curious about. So she wants to know what your major influences are. Um, she says, to me, it seems the surrealist women have an influence, especially like Remedius Vero, 
who is extraordinary, and Frida Kahlo, who is also extraordinary. Vero and the prevalence of mystical occult symbolism and the palimpsest feel to the surfaces um, of her pieces, always one dissolving into another, and Kahlo in the flatter theatrical picture space and well-observed vegetable life. So I guess what are your what are your what, um, have been your influences? Okay, so I love Remedio Sparrow and um, and obviously I love Frida Kahlo. Um, I also really like the art of Pamela Coleman Smith. A lot of my um, collages have images from her tarot deck, um, and I I really like taking her collage taking her images and then other images from about that time period and a little bit earlier i'll take things from uh william blake another one of my influences yeah. and uh like old you know old uh out of copyright illustrations from the 19th century and old 19th century photographs and mix and match them, take them apart, put them together differently. I do all of that in um, the old fashioned way. I do not understand Photoshop. I don't use Illustrator. Um, I, I said I was going to learn how to do it. And that was three months ago. And I still haven't done it. Probably because I'm doing podcasting and researching and writing and art like almost always there's a new piece of art every week so i haven't learned how to do the the, the well, old you, so uh, i cut stuff out and well, yeah, <laughs> but, you're, it together. but you're doing art like the the real tactile way yes yes and honestly i have tried so many times to learn how to use a pen uh, a stylus and uh, a screen or even more so the um the pads the pads that you use to do to, i can't i, I just I, it feels weird they've gotten better you know the stylus kind of has a little bit of a grip feel now to it the old ones the wacom tablets and the old styluses did not have grip it was like slippery and it would just you know it, it's like ice skating with your with your pen I, I hated it. So I just, I just, you know, my husband has a degree in digital art, so he, he can do it. Uh, my 16 year old has been making digital art since they were, I want to say probably eight, seven or eight. It's, it's been a while. And so to, to those two, it's like a no brainer. And I watch what they do, and it's like, man, when they want to erase, they can make it go all away, and nothing gets torn up. <laughs> but I do, I do mixed media and collage and all of that stuff in the messy, dirty way. That you know is, as you say, it's very tactile. I have pieces of paper, you know, little scraps and bits everywhere in my studio. Um, you know, my mom. I used to do that collage and 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 make building things out of paper as a kid and so there were almost always everywhere she said it was like tinkerbell sprinkles you know fixie dust but i sprinkled little tiny pieces of paper colored paper all over the house and she was like 
the curse was, I hope you have a child who is just like you when you grow up and sprinkles little bits of paper all over the house because that's a pain in my, you know. So, and, so you basically have, have been doing this for your entire life. You've been painting and, and yeah, creating. Yeah. I did stop doing art in high school um, because uh, my mom actually said, well, you're just not very good. And so I took that to heart because I didn't know any better. And I, I picked up crafts at that point. So I did stuff like made beaded jewelry, crochet, sewing. Those were safe. Um, but fine art, I did not do really, really strongly until I was in my 30s. And then I sat it down for a while because I went to culinary school. And, you know, those two don't mix because culinary school is about... 16 hour days. So I didn't do that. Um, but then about, I want to say 2013, I start, I just picked up again and started doing mixed media. I saw some art online, uh, and mixed media just, it, there were so many layers and it was so interesting to see how people were taking bits and pieces of all these different things and putting them together. And I was like, I want to do that. And so I did. I started doing art journaling. And that actually helped with a lot of therapy that that I went through. And, uh, you know, I started collecting more art books. So I, you know, there's Remedios Faros. There's uh, William Blake. There's uh, Frida Kahlo. There's, um, let's see. Now, of course, my mind is going to go blank. Oh, Shulamith Wolfing. She's mm. someone that, that is not as well known as she used to be. But she was German, and she was painting right before World War II. Yeah, I know, I know who she is. I know who yeah, she is. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah um, she is. A lot of her work, though, was lost in the war because the Nazis didn't much care for her visionary, heavenly... Um, angel-filled, fairy-filled style. So she hid a lot of her paintings, and some of them survived and some of them didn't. Um, but yeah, she was another one of the influences that I had. Um, and, and my Aunt Judy did a lot of art, and she was inspirational to me, and she was always very, very supportive of my art. Um, so so, uh, so you, you do a lot of like, well, I mean, obviously for the show, for six yeah. degrees of, ki of keel, you you do a lot of um, paranormal, highly symbolic stuff. Yes, um, is it? Have you been doing that for a while, or is that just for the show? Basically, no, no, I've been doing that. You know, pretty much since 2014. I've got one of my first larger paintings from that period of time. is called Luna's Garden. And it has, as a background, it has a full collage of stuff that's lullabies. It's about the moon, poetry about the moon, um, you know, pictures of the moon and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then I painted over it with glazes of acrylic. So you can see through it. Oh, and I did the Carmina Burana. Mm -hmm. um, so... Oh, Fortuna is in there because, of course, it talks about the moon. 
because you know for fortune is as changeable as the moon right so exactly. i put that in there so that piece of music is in there and uh you can see it in the background i i glazed it and then i took alcohol ink and glazed it again which makes the color vivid but it wears the uh, acrylic away a little bit because alcohol will dissolve the acrylic um uh medium a little bit mm -hmm. and so you get a modeled look to it and then you can see through parts of it more than you can others and then i painted the moon on top you know up in the up in the sky and i gave her a face i personified her and then there's a, a luna moth and then underneath there's a little hillock hillock that's completely covered with different vines and and uh uh, ferns and all kinds of stuff and then flower all white flowers so that it's going to reflect the light of the moon and then there's a black rabbit and a white rabbit so all of those have symbolic meaning mm -hmm. um and it i love doing stuff like that because people look at it and they want to know what it means and so if it's at a show and i'm showing them i, I always say well what does it mean to you what what is it to you and it's really interesting the stories people will come up with um another of my favorite pieces is called wood woman and her daughters the background is a collage of appalachian women most of the photographs are vintage um so you have you know some grannies with their their sunbonnets on and they're they're doing a spinning wheel in front of their cabin. You have uh, Native American women. Um, you have, you know, uh, singers, you have musicians, you have girls, you have old women, you have, you know, oh, a snake handler. There's a snake yeah. handler in there with her two rattlesnakes. Um, and then there's, there's animals with them. And so that's the background. And then the foreground is a woman's face, except she has a deer's eyes and deer's antlers. And she has kind of the, from the neck down of a deer. You can see she's kind of changing as, as she, she's, that was the idea that she was morphing between human and animal. And then I did leaves over so you could see some of the women in the background or pieces of them or pieces of the animals that were their familiars and that was the idea so the first time i showed that piece was at the public library here in town and i intended her as i painted her um and i i sang like a bunch of appalachian music with it and you know listened to appalachian music and just really put a lot of that energy in there and uh i intended her to be a personification of the spirit of this town athens ohio it is we have deer that walk in the streets you know they're just mm -hmm. everywhere and so i i was i was putting in the installation of the the show i was hanging it and she was leaned against the wall still on the floor waiting and the first most amazing thing that happened is this little kid came with his mom. He was about three. He ran over 
Like that was the first thing he saw as he saw this, this dear woman's face and he ran over and hugged the painting. Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh. and well, you know, when I went, oh, his mom thought I meant, oh my God, he's touching it, which is not what I meant at all. I was just like touched that he, he wanted to hug her. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. He can touch her. I mean, he, I don't want him licking her because, you know, he might get some of the varnish in him, but you know, that's fine. He's not going to hurt it. And she looked at me and she said, is that from a book? And I said, no, no, it's, it's, it's mine. I just finished painting it like two days ago. And she said, I've seen her somewhere. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And so, you know, I asked the little boy, you know, why he, he liked her. And he said, oh, she's a lady from dreams. <laughs> and I said, is she? <laughs> and he said, yes, she is. And I said, okay. <laughs> well, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so if I ever leave this town, I have to give that painting to somebody who will keep it here. Because she has to stay here. So, yes. 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 I I do. I am inspired by spiritual things. Um, and I do put a lot of energy into it. Like, Hilma Upf Clint, or Clint is really famous now. She wasn't before. But I, I kind of think she sort of, you know, did an end run around Kandinsky and, and started the whole, you know abstract art movement all on her lonesome but be that as it may she was a spiritualist who had seances before she painted every day and so i don't do seances but i do meditate and i put energy into things and morgana swears i that there are spirits that come and go through me into the paint so i right. can't claim that for sure but and then there's the painting that I did not that long ago for an episode that's a watercolor in three colors that looks like mist. And then there's all of these figures in it that are on a hillside and, and it looks like the Fae. Truthfully, I, I started it as to be a mountain with trees. And then I started realizing there were people. And so I just kept going and I, I don't know how I did it. I don't remember what, how the brushwork worked. It just went on there and it blossomed. And so, you know, I, I showed it to Zach. I'm like, uh, what's this look like? And it, sometimes when you're painting and you do abstract and something comes up out of it, you, it's just you who are seeing it. But he right. said, oh, that's people. No, it looks like the unappeasable host. Is that what it's supposed to be? I said, yeah, I guess so. All right. And so I, I did it for an episode uh, about the Fae. So, you know, that's that's just kind of how I do it. So, yes, the symbolism is in there. It's always in there. The stuff for the episodes is kind of fun because I usually have a week to get it done, maybe only three days. And so I work really quickly. And so sometimes... It's not like I'm possessed while I'm working, but I'm working so fast and putting so much energy into it. Sometimes I get surprised by what comes out. So, 
So what? So with these pictures that then you do for the episodes, what do you do with those pictures? Then are they in party? Do you sell them? Are they part of your collection? Do you exhibit? Right them? now, they are all over my studio, taking up a lot of space. <clears throat> and there have been people who want me to do prints, and I do intend to. But what I have to do is find a service that will do the prints and then drop ship them, and we'll do good copies of the prints. I don't want to sell people crap. And the reason is I don't want to deal with shipping and right. and tax collecting and all of that. I, I would rather have someone else do that. So that's what's holding that up. So some of them are going to get to be prints. I have given some away to people who've been on the show. You know, they get their art as a gift. Um, there's some that I keep because that. They just spoke to me so strongly. It's like, nope, that's going on the living room wall. I'm keeping that one. So it's a mixture. I I might sell some, but I just as likely to give it to the guest as sell it. No, I I, I well, yeah, because it's it's personal. It's kind of like inspired by the guest and by the perspective conversation that you're going to have. And, yes. and, and is peculiar to that situation. Stephanie also wanted to know this about your color palettes. She really likes what she calls your hot saturated colors. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and she says, she says here like lime, guava, tangerine, hot pink, and you don't seem warm, sat see warm saturated colors around as much these days. Not like when she was a girl in 1967. At the same time, you your more muted neutral pieces have nice depth to them. So anything that you'd like to say about your use of color and what do you see as the use of in relationship of ritual to your artistic process? Okay. So color, color I can start with really easily. Um, I have always loved bright colors. Um, my mom says I got that from my grandmother who is, is part native American. She, you know, her, her, her color schemes were complementary colors for their house decoration. So she'd have green and red together. And, you know, her, most of the people in the family they just teased her about it. But my mom's art teacher from high school came to visit and loved it. So I'm like, see, there you go. Nah, don't be nasty to my grandma. Uh, <laughs> but it's also, I grew up in the, I was born in 65. So I grew up in the sixties and seventies and color was just crazy then. And it was beautiful and I loved it. And then, then the eighties happened and then there's all the day glow in the world. And I was like, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> so when I started painting seriously, I went for the brightest colors I could get and learned as much as I could about the pigments. I could nerd about color like so much. And I actually have taught... Um, color theory in uh, a local um, art studio because I, I learned that, you know, some people have gone to art school and did not learn that there's two different kinds of white and there's, you know, a cool black and a 
hot black, you know, warm black. There's, uh, you know, all of these things. And, and they didn't learn that you can't mix a cool blue with a warm yellow and get a nice green. You get a yucky green. Right. Because you have admixtures in them that make those colors cool or warm. And so you'll you'll make it muddy. And so I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. But one of the things I will say is the way that I get colors as bright as I do is I layer. Uh, so I'll start with something that looks just like a bright color. And then I will take a tint of uh, like a, a, a fluorescent color and layer over that. And then if that doesn't do enough, then I'll do it again. And if that doesn't do enough, I'll do a transparent lighter color over that. And it always makes it pop. I also will take complementary colors and put them right smack against each other um, because it draws the eye. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I really like warm colors a lot, but I also love purples and blues. So those get used a lot. Um, and then the, the subtle colors, this is, this is new. It's, I mean, it's not new, new. I still have done realistic paintings with realistic colors. Um, but the new thing I've been doing is learning how to use watercolors. Mm -hmm. I'm an acrylics girl. I would do oil if I could, but the, the medium makes me sick. So I don't do mm. it. Um, so I do acrylics and I, I, I understand how they work perfectly well. Watercolor is a new frontier. I don't know how it works. I'm learning. But I found out that there are people who hand make watercolors these days the way they mm -hmm. made it in the 19th century at the, at the latest, 18th century at the earliest. And they use earth pigments with it. And I'm learning how to use those pigments, sometimes with some of the newer stuff that's brighter, but sometimes just the earthy pigments and still getting that contrast and that feeling and why I have all these colors in my head is not just because of, of loving them in childhood. It's also because when I took, when I was trained in shamanic techniques, the shamanic world that I went to was full of color. It was absolutely full of color everywhere I looked. Um, when I close my eyes, I see color and it's not just red. Like, you know, if you close your eyes and look at a light, you're going to see red because it's, it's your eyelids. They're little mm -hmm. thin. So you see the blood in there and the flesh. When I close my eyes, I see at least two colors and they're almost always complementary colors, but they kind of move and they will change. And I asked my eye doctor about this. And she just said, well, there, some people do and some people don't. Right. And she said, are you an artist? And I said, yes. And she said, see, it's mostly artists that do that. She's like, I don't really know why we're told that it's because your, your cones will try to see color with any amount of light. She said, but I don't know. She's like, but it doesn't matter. Your, your eyes aren't broken. You're not going to, they're not going to fall out. Keep keep going. You're fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. So yes, some of it has to do with ritual. Some of it has to do with, um, 
the use of entheogens and hallucinogens, um, psilocybin particularly, and then looking at the way nature looks when, you know, you're seeing it with a different perspective. The psilocybin is amazing. It is. Colors it are is. amazing. Colors yeah. are amazing. Yeah. And watercolors are fun to play with because they, they flow into each other and they move around and it's great. It's not so great when you're trying to control it for a painting, but I'm learning to let go and let it do its own thing. So <laughs> we'll see. So, yeah. so, so Jeffrey, are you back? Yes, I'm back. And uh, hopefully <laughs> don't need to step away. Christina started a new job and we're, we live in a cramped space with a show and she usually gets ready in that cramped space. So we're having to adjust and hopefully it gets a little better every week. But she started, oh my gosh, I just got caught in saliva in my throat after a peppermint. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm here. And uh, yeah, your paintings look really cool. And uh, definitely, I've always wanted to paint too. And I bought the stuff. It's just like making yourself do it. It's kind of like <laughs> writing another book, which I haven't done in a million years. But I have books I've wrote kind of situation. It's discipline, which I lack apparently. But uh, so... Uh, did you, did you ask the question about the creative process with guests and everything that you do that Stephanie had yet, Wham? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Hold on. I don't what think. is the roles of words, dialogue, in your creative process? How does the dialogue with your guests influence the work you create for their episode? Oh, do you yeah. Have any processes you, oh, do you have any processes you'd like to share? Okay. So, um, for for guests... The, definitely the um, the dialogue helps. And honestly, I listen to the episode while I'm working almost every week. Um, now, it's funny. Some, sometimes after the, the episode's recorded, I'll know exactly what it's going to look like. Or I'll exactly have the composition, maybe not the, the colors. But I'll, I'll have an idea. Sometimes I don't. And so I'll listen to the rough cut and, you know, I have to do that anyway to check for, you know, burps or, you know, messed up tracks or whatever and fix it. So I have to do that anyway. So I do it while I'm, I'm working on the, the art and it really helps. It really helps to hear the words. Um, it helps to hear the voices. Um, now, if I'm painting, like, for not episode art, then I listen to music. But I listen to, you know, the podcast while I'm working. And I listen to the episode that I am working on. It really helps. And um, a lot of the backgrounds, if you look at the ones that have uh, collage on them, a lot of the backgrounds have words in there. And I will I will put some quotes from the episodes in some of them. And that's I, I think that's important. And I use words in a lot of my mixed media art in the very background. I'll hand write in it or I'll pick quotes from books or, you know, um, poetry. I have a painting that I did a while back that. I cut single lines out of uh, Shakespeare's sonnets 
that were meaningful and then built a nest out of it and, you know, glued that down. And then there was an egg coming out of it and the egg was cracking and there's a self-portrait of my face coming up out of the egg. And that, you know, and in the background, there's even more words. So, yeah, I, I like... I like to use poetry especially, but I have used keel quotes and I've used fillet quotes in some, some works. So, yeah. I know uh, recently I saw the, the ufology tarot and I was very bummed that I missed the Kickstarter. I collect those kind of tarot decks and oracles and stuff. And I was like, I missed that. Like I, I'm not, I'm not online keeping up every second with every, you know, win that passes by. So I missed that whole Kickstarter, but apparently they're going to sell it at retail at some point. Hopefully I've talked yes. to Greg and Stephanie. So I'm really hoping that pops up because my OCD, like I almost had a, a little mini pad and I missed that. <laughs> I, I understand. Like, I'm never going to get it ever. I understand. But, uh, that's one thing that I saw recently is interesting. And, and if y'all see that thing go up for retail and you think of me, please send me it ASAP so I can do what has to be done to nail that thing. One of my favorite tarots ever is kind of sick and twisted is a, a, a Vlad Dracula one. That's Vlad the Impaler historical and Woodliffs. And yeah. Travis McHenry. Like I have a bunch from shamanism, the Norse to native, yeah. to Druid, to, uh, you know, I could go a Necronomicon, you know, all kinds of crazy ones. But uh, that one I need to add to it for sure. So definitely uh, keep y'all's ears out. Stephanie's already bugged Greg about it. I've bugged Greg about Greg about it. So, but yeah, uh, he'll 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 figure out a way. I'm sure of it because there's a lot of people who couldn't jump in on the Kickstarter who who really yeah. want it. So yeah, they did a good job. It. They did a really good job. You know, I, I thought so too. And what's really really funny is. I, out of the blue, early on in the show, started using Pamela Coleman-Smith tarot mixed with UFO stuff. That it just, I think that I, I felt that secret in the ether. And they were all very good about not telling me about it. Uh, so right around while they're developing, here, here I was throwing tarot and UFOs and aliens and all kinds of things together. And I, I was proud. Nobody, nobody told me until, you know, near the, near the Kickstarter time. And I was like, really? Wow. Second <laughs> friends fast. network. It's running through the ether. It's running through the ether. Yeah. It, it got, I don't use Kickstarter that much. I used it once for like some weird book. I forget the name of it, that the thing from John Carpenter was based on like the old weird novel that some dude wrote that that whole thing was based on. That's the last time I've done Kickstarter. I think the only time I've done Kickstarter. But yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, and these oracles and tarots, I have so many different ones. There's weird alien ones. There's not many alien ones out there. There's some no, they're not. Not many for sure. So I definitely want to want to add that to the to my uh, collection at some point. I know uh, I work with Inner Traditions and Llewellyn a lot, and they do those kind of things. They would eat that thing up. But I don't know. If, like I told Greg, it might be better to be private with that. I don't know. But I know publishers like that would eat that thing alive, wanting it probably. I, sure. That's kind of how I feel about it. I think that that either of those. I used to own a metaphysical bookstore, so yeah, they they are the two publishers for that kind of stuff. And 
I think they should go for it. Definitely. Our last show of the year's next uh, week, and uh, Matthew McKernan uh, uh, is coming on for Weird Crap. It's a Norse situation book that he wrote for Llewellyn, so that'll be our last show of the year. Looking forward to that. But as far as, like, UFO or paranormal cases or our news, I'm kind of curious what you've heard that you've been interested in lately. One of the big things that I saw recently really upset me was Linda Godfrey passing away. Yeah, Gosh, that was that really sucks. sad. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. And then I started thinking about Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It's just been some weird freak, you know, things that. Yeah. So many things, you know. And for some yeah. reason I'm thinking of Jim Mars right now. I've interviewed him. I'm in a magazine that one of Ron Patton's that magazine interviewing him. Just so many people pass. It's just once yeah. you start thinking about it, it's like, damn, I'm probably next. Yeah. <laughs> My husband crap. actually said something last night about oh, there's a lot of investi a lot of UFO investigators dying. This better not happen to you. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't play with the the US government clandestine people i don't i don't mess with them i i mess with the weird lights and the the i don't know what it is is stuff and you know hope and pray that they aren't you know gonna do anything to me yeah they, they haven't yet we've been friends since i was a kid so <laughs> hopefully we'll be all right yeah i know what you mean about those shows there's one i did that i regret doing i think it put me on a list or some weird, weird well yeah. robert duncan made some kind of technology former cia and they took it and used it to like targeted individual and i had him on he's a weird dude but he was former cia maybe a trumple gooch still i don't know but he that was a weird one where i'm like i don't think i'm ever gonna do a show like that ever in my yes, entire yeah. life again I stay away from that. That's yeah. mm -mm. nope. Not nope, doing nope. it anymore don't, for sure. Don't want to. Mm -mm. Yeah, nope. yeah. What well, I mean, what I do for myself is I try to just keep. You know, I've I've had a few strange experiences, sort of in that ilk. You know, like, um, like I like I went through it when I was uh, when I was doing my research for my master's degree. Um, I there was a period of life period of what well, was when I was living in that place north of Lawrence that I mentioned where all, where we had that big group experience. We I also had some other weird experiences there. Like it was the it was the only time really that I that like my mail has ever been tampered with very yeah. specifically yeah. that that there was a, an instance of an unmarked helicopter coming over our house very specifically yeah, yeah. you know just that you know a lot and there were the and some of the a couple of the things that happened to us were very very strange i mean when i think of the the situation that um i, I mean it, I mean, a couple things happened that I don't even really like to say out loud publicly because I'm afraid yes. by saying it, I will reveal something to someone about something. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. even make any sense, but it's kind of like it's so weird. It's yes. so weird yes. that that um, you know that there's something potentially dangerous about it. Yeah. So you don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. No, I. Yeah. I, I know. I, I used to work with some people who, you know, had some serious, scary jobs. And, well, I didn't, I didn't 
talk about that with them and just stayed out of it. But yeah, I did see somebody messing with my mail once and that was like, we got to move away from here. I don't want to. Right. No. And then there's that, the, the Paul Benowitz thing, Greg Bishop and Project Beta and all that. That's enough to scare the crap out of you about anything with that one. That oh, story. yeah. Yeah. One, one of my weirdest things that happened, I had this scientist, Dr. Joe Resnick in, and he was made some kind of like patents for the government to help with oil that were secret or some get oil out of the ocean or something. But he told me that they didn't like that I wasn't patriotic. And he sounded like he was like drunk, naked, and hitting bong hits when he was on the phone privately. It was very disturbing. But anyway, I haven't talked to him in years. But he said they knew how many times I flushed the toilet. And they didn't like me because I wasn't patriotic. And that I should say, God bless America after every show. But anyway, here's a weird thing that happened right after that. I was on a, a phone and I said, I'm going to turn my phone off. Next thing you know a weird $2,000 credit appeared on that phone. And I don't know where the hell it came from. No one I knew did it. If they did, they would have told me. And I asked for them to send me a check. They did of that amount. I used it for land taxes and went on a shopping spree and turned the phone off anyway. But I think some kind of weird agency put that on there to keep that phone on, to keep listening because of the show, I wasn't doing anything else. You know, some torrents or something. That's what I mean. <laughs> that's <laughs> what they got you for, torrents. Yeah, there probably, you go. Yeah. yeah. But that, uh, it was just a weird thing. I always tell that story. Probably if they're listening, pisses them off more. It's like, thanks for the shopping spree and land tax, you know, free whatever. Can oh you send God. another one? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was a I'm going to turn this phone off. And, you know, and we have had, uh, well, we had it, we had this experience last week when we were talking to Andy Colvin, but this has happened on this show before that I don't, you, you remember this last week, every time Andy or I would broach certain topics, we would, our screens would freeze. It's like, oh, the yeah. you know, and I mean, it was it, after the third time, it's like, okay, come on, stop it. There was one weird time, a weird porno noise went off really fast and it was not me or wham. And it was not the guest. I don't remember who the guest was. They were gone, I think, but it was weird. It was like, a, yeah, it was like a porno noise. It was like somebody like, going, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is that?" That's not. That me. was just Bigfoot. I was like embarrassed in. trying to explain it. it wasn't me because I was afraid people thought I had something open. Like it was. I don't know what the hell. Oh, it was. that's funny. That's weird. You know, weird things like that. So John Keel, like the first time I I read um, the Eighth Tower when it came out. The Eighth Tower, yeah. And that's a creepy one. Well, well, yeah, and and it's it's it apparently was even more screwed up until his editors told him to take like an a chapter out or something. Well, it was material. It came about because it was stuff that was pulled from the Mothman prophecies. Right, right. That they were like, "This is some weird crap, dude. You can't just be putting this in here. I don't know. I don't like mm -mm, no." And so he made it into another book. And yes, even so, they made him take another chapter out because. It was too weird. So the first time I was reading it, 
I was like hanging out on the couch in, in my parents' living room. And again, well, it was my living room too, but you know, whatever. And we didn't have much space between the houses. We had these two windows that had shears, but they didn't really look out on anything but a three foot wide strip of like muddy grass that was between our house and the next door neighbor's house. Nobody ever went in there. It didn't lead into anything but our backyard. Um, the only people who used it were us and the next door neighbors, you know, who had kids and I was a kid. So, you know, we'd play back there, but, you know, nobody used it. So I'm sitting there reading that and I had read Mothman before where they talked about Phantom Photographers, where he talked oh, about that. Right, right. And so I'm sitting there and I'm reading and a huge flash of light came from those windows. Just brilliant. And it did the thing that a flashbulb, the old flashbulbs did, where your eyes would get those, you know, dancey, like, weird things. Mm -hmm. And you're blind. And you get the after images. I was like, what the heck was that? And that started this weird thing. Every time I would read John Keel for a while, the phone would ring. And there'd be no one there. Oh, I hate that. And it was like... I was reading John Keel when the the stereo went off. See? You, you See? gotta watch out. It's, it's, something happens. And and it was... It, it even, you know, when Morgana started living with us and, you know, we were, we were this big, happy family, we started getting these weird phone calls. And I knew when she was reading John Keel, because I wasn't reading John Keel, and we get these phone calls with no one on there. So I'd holler to her room, are you reading John Keel again? <laughs> She's like, did the phone ring and there was nobody there? I said, yes. <laughs> God. And my phone, my my um, cell phone will do weird stuff sometimes because I'm reading John Keel or thinking about John Keel. So. Isn't that isn't that strange though? It's John Keel. I mean, for me, it's like it's been John Keel, and I can't read him alone in the house, even to this day. He's I just spooky. won't. I just won't. Him I have to read him in broad daylight. Yeah, him and uh, communion. I I don't read that when I'm by myself. I, I read it when it came out and it terrified me. And I was just like, mm. and then I was like, I'm not going to read it again. That's, that's how I'm going to deal with it. But then, you know, I was like, Oh, you were just younger and you could read it again. And then I read it again. And then I'm like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, and, uh, um, let's see, it's John Keel who, and what else? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, it's it is very very strange. I, I remember when I was uh, when I was doing the research for my master's degree, my um, uh, the the woman who was the uh, my the director for my master's for my thesis. Her name is Sandra Zimdar Schwartz. She's retired now, but she at one time was like one of the international experts on Marian apparitions, which is oh, wow. Cool. Which, I, which is part of the reason why it was really great sort of having her be my director because she was kind of open to like the visionary weird aspects of all this stuff. Right. And um, so she asked me, so she said, so 
are there a couple of like maybe two or three books that you could recommend to me to read so I can kind of get a sense of like the kinds of stuff that you're looking at, the kinds of stuff that you're reading. So I recommended, I recommended um, a book called Angels and Aliens, which yes. you may be familiar yes. with, which is also a very good book. Um, I recommended Communion and I recommended a John Keel book. I think it was Mothman Prophecies. <laughs> and about three weeks later, I ran into her like in the building and she was like, I can't read those books before I go to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. And I said, she goes, ma'am, it's okay. Nobody can. She goes, How do you read these books? And this is like a super academic, right? And I said, I don't read them before I go to bed either. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, you know, I, I, I work on, I have to work to, you know, achieve an academic sort of tone, you know, because the fact is, this stuff scares the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, it is creepy. It, it truly is. You know, I mean, some of it's funny. Some of it's you know, funny. Um, but some of it is is creepy, and and. You know, and sometimes the funny stuff is a little bit creepy. D did you all ever do any of the rando nodding thing that people were doing for a while? What's that? I, I just obviously you you get um, random coordinates. Oh, uh, synchronicities it, or something. Yeah, and then you go there. About that. And and sometimes there's some meaningful thing where you're going. Is it, were they, is that what they were doing on TikTok, or were they using yeah. some other app for that? That yeah, it was something like that, and I read about it, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool, you know. Morgana and I should do that, and so, <laughs> so he did it. So he did. Now, she is her her deity that latched onto her. Her spirit is Coyote. <laughs> um, she used to she used to dance in the powwows. She did um, fancy shawl which if you've ever seen it is very, very hyperactive. Right. Um, but she was really good at it. Um, now she dances with the men and she always wears coyote in her, um, you know, on her headdress and, and a tail. And because uh, so she dances as a two spirit. And so coyote is totally. He's there for her and he, he introduced himself to her and she was in her teens and it's just, he really is too much. He, he, he's amazing. Um, and then my, my, uh, sort of spirit animal is a Fox and they're both tricksters. And the way I explain it is, you know, coyote laughs with you. I mean, he does things to you sometimes and, and, and they're usually scatological or something, you know, but, fox laughs at you it's not a nice trickster he's he's a little bit harder edged and he's a little meaner um so we both have trickster canids and so we decide to do this thing and so it takes us to the parking lot of a strip mall here in town and i was like okay this is this is some nonsense right here this is a okay so we'll go and and it it wasn't quite in the parking lot. You know, you have to walk to the you know exact coordinate. You get to the exact coordinate, and it's sort of a, a slight rise in the grass that's between two parking lots. 
behind the local community center. And there's some, you know, young trees that have been planted there that eventually will grow and be cool, but they're not yet. They're just standing there looking skinny and sad. And we're looking around and I'm like, so it gave us a tree. It gave us two trees and grass. We got grass. Morgana sees something in the grass and she runs over to pick it up. And then she starts laughing. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? And she's like, and she couldn't talk, so she just tossed it at me, and I caught it. You know those those poop bags they make for when you walk your dogs? It's a poop bag. Yes. It was a poop bag holder in the shape of a bone, and, and it had these, these poop bags that if you tried to pull them out, I think I know why the lady dropped it or something, it would just come out like a... a magician's scarf up the sleeve yeah yeah yeah. you couldn't break them off it did not break apart <laughs> so we got blue poop bags that you couldn't use <laughs> i was like coyote was in charge of this <laughs> so we did take a picture i was like i'm not taking this to reddit on the rando not you know no, sub no, no. and putting this no. up i'm sorry uh, so we never did do it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are like a couple of really incredibly weird things that have happened with that. Like the, like oh, the, I know. the two girls that found the corpse in the, in the, yes. in the, in the suitcase. I mean, that, that would freak you out. It's like, I, and oh I'm, I'm grateful we didn't find a corpse, but poop bags. You found poop bag. You, fa you that found, we couldn't even found, use for our dogs. Pointlessly, pointlessly made poop bags. <laughs> yeah pointlessly made yeah we rolled them back up and then you know when she showed it to her boyfriend when she went home she shoved it up her sleeve and did the magician thing and She's who silly. is this with the coyote connection i've had some coyote situations from a dj conway chant from an animal magic book that i kind of did too much and try not to do it but sometimes i do it anyway but it's, i've had some definite coyote situations two native ladies made a coyote shawl and painted it and gave it to me i have that but who was that that has the coyote that's my connection? daughter oh okay, that's, okay. that's my daughter and co-host um she hasn't been on the the show as often because she was finishing her next to her last um college semester so she next one is her last one and uh, she only has to take two two credits, I think, next semester. So she'll be back for more adventures. And yes, she, her life, you know, she never really, she, she always gets out of her scrapes, but there's usually some ridiculous scrape that happens first, and then she gets, gets around it. Coyote brings both ridiculous luck and good luck. You know, it's, it's like bad luck and good luck in equal measure. Definitely. I just found some weird uh, Beyond Communion comics, one and two, that were like from 1997, which, which is some weird communion Streber connection. Some weird, I like to find weird, obscure alien comics, UFO stuff or weird stuff, but those are pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, Barbara, we got about uh, five minutes. It's been great having you on. Definitely a pleasant surprise. And I thank you so much for filling in for Stephanie, who filled in for someone else who 
got sick uh and a whole lot more about barbara which is great yeah it's <laughs> yeah. been great it's been really good and we appreciate it i love john keel and i know andy's talked about how much people like to suppress him and weird stuff with that but i've always found him fascinating uh don't understand why anyone would want to suppress that unless you're an idiot but uh i've always uh loved it and, and i'd like to read i have so many of his books and i need to get into them again maybe uh i say test that theory we are saying about events happening from the books but maybe not but also these <laughs> these events when you haven't had them in a while you're like where are they like a big baby please oh, I want to see. And then, yeah and then <laughs> and then you end up with an annoying ghost <laughs> oh yeah it's like 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 yeah i mean i ended up with an annoying ghost last week that just pissed me off i mean seriously pissed me off it was like so obvious. I felt like sitting up in bed and going, I wasn't in my bedroom. And and I was like, I felt like sitting up and going, really? You're such a stereotype. What is your problem? <laughs> it's like, do you think, do you do this because you read somewhere before you died that this is what ghosts do? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they it's do. Like, it's like, God. Really? Really? One of, yeah. One of the weirdest things I was ever told, Dr. Tory, Tory, coast to coast, strange individual. He's fun to interview, but uh, a lot of controversy. But he said there's a golden, weird, like good reptilian that shows me things all the time. And I don't I'm like, do, do I have to look? Maybe it's true. I don't know. But that's just one of those weird things I just thought of that someone told me <laughs> that I have a golden reptilian ghost alien that shows me things. <laughs> and that's no, the guy that's, from Coast to Coast. That's how it shows up to him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe, weird, maybe you have a trickster spirit that follows you around that decided to freak him out by being a golden reptilian alien. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, it's been great having you on. Uh, Thank we're gonna you. Close out. What's your what your website links? Uh, website. So it's six degrees of John com. It's six like a you know numeral, and then the rest of it is spelled out. Um, and my email is six djk six seven at gmail com. All right. Well, we appreciate it so much, Barbara and Wham. Thank you so much, and I'm Thank looking you. forward to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio stop animation Saturday tomorrow. Hopefully, that came on Netflix. So, get your doobie and get ready. That's right. That's gonna be good. I drink. love those stop animation movies. I try to hunt those down, like James and the Giant Peach and all those weird ones with the those are cool. and stuff. Yeah, I love those. But uh, we appreciate it so much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Take care. Thanks, Wayne. Have a good weekend. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye, everybody.